Hi, I'm Dr. Judy and welcome to Supercharged Life, where I help you discover new ways to create success, wellness, and fulfillment and give you tangible tools to supercharge your life. And today's supercharged tip is going to be all about the benefits of mindfulness and meditation and best practices for beginners and experts alike. And the benefits of mindfulness are well-documented. They improve cognitive functioning. It reduces anxiety and depression. It helps us with self-worth and confidence, reduces distraction and fuels creativity. And my guest today, has a phenomenal music career and also a full life in so many other ways. And right now she's been using these unprecedented times to offer up her own wellness practices using her award-winning music as a vessel for thought-provoking discussions and mindful meditation. She's a four-time Grammy winner, multi-platinum singer and songwriter, and just a wise, thoughtful, kind human who has a breadth of other interests and skills and so much to teach the world. So please welcome India Ari. So, so happy to have you here today. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for that introduction. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I love your music and Thank you, you have just inspired me so much with your music, not just the music itself, but just the words behind it, your your poetry, the lyrics. Um, I feel like you're so accessible for so many people and the way that you promote healing and understanding and just self-acceptance. I see that a lot, especially in your newest album in 2019. That was a big year for you. You have a number one single, the tour, this new album worthy. How are you holding up now in the quarantine? (laughs) (laughs) Well, yes, my last album was called Worthy. And all of 2019, I was super busy and really too busy, actually. Mm -hmm. And um, when 2020 came, because of the success of last year, I had all these new opportunities that I said yes to because they came out of all the other success. But when everything got canceled, I was actually relieved not canceled, but postponed. Mm -hmm. I was relieved because for me, it is actually a natural time in my natural life cycle to rest. You are somebody who is such a go-getter. Do you struggle with rest, true rest? And then why, if you do? 2019 taught me something. (laughs) And that is that there's a difference in rest and sleep. Mm -hmm. And I did two tours and the first one was so, I mean, 40 40 days on the road is a lot for me. It's not a lot for some people. It's a whole, whole lot for me because I like to move slow. And so after 40 days on the road, I was like, I'm going to go home and just sleep for 15 hours a day. (laughs) But what I really wanted to do was not, I slept maybe four hours because my body was used to going and stuff. But then I started going to, I went to one of my favorite places in the Pacific Northwest, this uh, spa. Um, that's by a waterfall, a natural waterfall. And I started going to the steam room and I realized that the heat was very restful for my nervous system. And I started really exploring what is restful for me and mm-hmm. really doing those things. So a lot of warm baths, salt baths. I now have like a one person little sauna in my oh, condo. Amazing. So I like, uh, you know, yeah, like heat I find really works for me. Um, and also natural heat, like being in the sun, in the morning sun, where it's not like that really hot, hot middle day sun, but that morning warmth, it's all the things that are really calming for me. 
it's all about finding ways to quiet your mind and, and calm your nervous system, really, because when you're used to yeah. going all the time, and I know you've spoken about this, that you have a busy mind. I get it. I mean, I'll be in the shower making my to-do list and I'm like, what am I doing? Just be mindful, just have the shower and then you'll make your to-do list when you get out. But I find myself doing that all the time. All the time. And yeah. you know, as a songwriter, yeah, I'm always, because it's my profession and my passion, the, yeah. the songwriting part. I mean, I love to sing too. Singing to me is like talking or breathing. It's just regular for me. Yeah. And, but then the songwriting part, because it's such like a mental activity and also a spiritual one, mm-hmm. I'm always really excited when I write a new song. I'm like, I, I did another one because this feels like magic. Like, I think sometimes, will I ever be able to do that again? It's like just making something out of nothing. And so I'm always so into it and involved in it. And I find myself like waking up in the middle of the night with ideas and stuff like that. And so my mind is always super active to a good end. It's not just random. I mean, I I do random thinking too in the shower, like everyone else, but (laughs) I also, you know, like the part of me that just loves songwriting and wants to continue to always create is the part that's really always going. And I'm learning one of the things I did, it was completely like a subconscious. I was writing because I I write songs, but I also just write all day. I write notes. I write in my journal. I write, write, write all the time. And I wrote on a piece of paper, it's okay to rest after 2019. And I was like, did I just write that? Did my hand (laughs) just write? And I had to say it to myself to remember that if I just want to lay on the couch, I can lay on the couch. Just lay on the couch and look out the window. Well, you're a true creative spirit. And when you are so interested in so many things, just so interested about life, sometimes it it is hard to slow down, but eventually you started a meditation practice and now Mm -hmm. you meditate and you have mindfulness and you find time to be still every day. So when Mm -hmm. did you start this? And when did you actually feel that meditation was something you wanted to incorporate into your life? My meditation journey is a little bit different than I think some people expect. Because they think that maybe it came out of being busy. And kind of yes and kind of no. I started meditating 18 years ago mm. when I was 26. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, that I was 26. Yeah, that's about right. <laughs> I, was like, I don't remember myself older than I am. Uh, yeah, 18 years ago. <laughs> and it was after my first trip to the Grammys. Mm. And I had a really um, rude awakening and disappointing experience. And my godfather is, uh, he does spiritual work for a lot of people. And I had a, someone gifted me time in a studio in Jamaica. And they said, you can bring your whole band and use the studio, stay on the premises, we'll cook all your food. And so I stuck my godfather in there as one of the band members so that we could like just hang out in Jamaica. Mm-hmm. And we were walking to the beach one day and he said, because he does all the, like a lot of spiritual teachings. He said, it's time. What do you want to learn? Like a movie. And I said, I want to learn how to be more in touch with myself so I can be more in touch with my truth. Because I felt like I was always just guessing like what to do. Because, you know, and at, at 26, I, my career was very new. I had just released my first album. There was all this stuff. Do you want to do this? Do you want to do that? Do you want to go here? You want to do nine shows? You want to do four shows? Do you want to sing with this person? Do you want to go to LA? Do you want to, where do you want to live? You want to buy a new house? But it was always like a lot of questions, questions all the time. And I would just guess. Yeah, I don't know. No, I'll take two. I don't know. It was, you know, and I, I started thinking there must be a way to, 
tap into something more than just a guess when I need to answer all these questions. Mm -hmm. And so that's why I told him I wanted to start meditating so I could, I didn't have his language back then, but now I understand that you can get quiet enough to hear yourself. Mm -hmm. And even on, you know, it started with those small things, but as life has progressed, there's always big life questions always being asked, Mm -hmm. especially the bigger your life gets. And so I, what I find is that there are some questions that no one can, no one outside of you can give you the answer to. And so my meditation practice is just to slow down and get quiet enough to remember things and sometimes have things revealed. And so that's what it is for me. And it's interesting because even when we were talking about being busy, mm-hmm. I forget how busy I am because I really do. I've always, I've had a consistent prayer and meditation practice since I was about 19, but I started getting my first training at about 26 where I was learning how to put the pieces together. Mm-hmm. And so I see myself as a person who my spiritual life is the center of my life. Mm-hmm. And I see myself as a person who moves slow because people are always telling me how slow I am and how I need to hurry up. and blah, blah. But I, I actually do do a lot mm-hmm. of moving around. And I also do a lot of inner life work too. Mm-hmm. And so really that is what has saved me. I might not be still in the public eye were not for my spiritual practices because it's too stressful to just do all the time with nothing to nourish yourself with. And so that's how I started meditating. I think so much of what you said is going to resonate with so many people. And I feel like my, the center of my life is my spiritual life as well, but I was not as developed as you to recognize in my 20s that, hey, I'm being pulled in all directions. Maybe it's time for me to listen to my inner voice more. I don't think I even really thought about that, even though I was in grad school to become a clinical psychologist. You know, it's just so (laughs) funny. I mean, all of us are on our individual journeys. And I know that Mm -hmm. everybody finds that reason for why they want to deepen their practice when they do. But, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes you don't even realize that you're busy until somebody holds a mirror up to you because I'm also that person. Mm -hmm. And my husband is a go-getter. He's a physician, but when he looks at me, he's like, you're doing too much. I'm like, no, I'm not. (laughs) But it really takes somebody telling you that over and over again, before you actually recognize that maybe you do need to slow down and that there's a different way to approach this. And what I loved is when I saw your short film, Welcome Home, it is so Mm. beautiful. Thank you. Um, I loved it because it's incorporating so much of what you're already talking about. This idea yes. of nature. You were in the Santa Monica mountains and yes. we're doing meditation and couples mm-hmm. yoga and art mm-hmm. therapy and mm-hmm. just like <laughs> lo- long beats of just staring into your partner's eyes mm-hmm. <laughs> as your music is playing in the background. And it's so funny. I think for some people, they're like, whoa, I could never do that with my partner. But I'm like, try, try, because it could be really cool. Um, but t- tell us about the your thoughts behind making this film and what you wanted to accomplish or, or tell people. I wanted to tell a story that felt like uh, the truth of what relationships feel like. We don't hear that a lot on the radio because mm-hmm. mostly as us as poets and songwriters, we tell the beautiful story. And it's, mm-hmm. it's hard to figure out how to get the real stuff in. Like in this, so the this, this short film is encompasses two songs, which is why I keep going between saying video and short film, because mm-hmm. we started off making two videos. And then I 
figured out that I would love to combine them and make it a long narrative. Mm-hmm. So because I'm used to making music videos, I've never done anything like this. Mm-hmm. And so it encompasses two songs. One is called Crazy. The other one is called Sacred Space. And the song Crazy is saying like, OK, there's all these things we deal with and you make me so crazy, but I'm still I want to be here. You know, and that's kind of a thing you learn as you're really in relationships and reality, not in theory. As an audience member watching this film, I think you absolutely accomplished those intentions. You know, that film made me very emotional the first Mm. time I watched it. And Mm. I continued to, I watched it actually probably a a dozen times now. Mm, (laughs) Thank you. I love it. I love it so much, India. And I felt like it was so truthful. There's so many layers, as you were mentioning, you know, um, not only about how you decide to practice your spirituality, but also just the experience, the, the, the shared experience that we all have, no matter what kind of relationship we're in or not in, or we're in the past or the thoughts that we have about ourselves. I think that there's a piece of every single person that they can find in this film. Mm, thank you. Yeah. And I, I even thought about just, you know, my relationship with my husband and I remember during our wedding, um, you know, I said I was a hundred percent sure that this man was my soulmate, even though I didn't even know if I believed in soulmates before I met him, but also <laughs> him being my soulmate, actually, it also means that he's very challenging, right? It's mm-hmm. not just this beautiful story of, oh, mm-hmm. you found your soulmate and la la la. No, no. <laughs> he is my biggest challenge, you know, in many ways, but yep. Yep. As you said in your lyrics, I, but I always want to be here and I don't want to be anywhere else. And just this idea of having the sacred space, somebody, a person or yourself being that sacred space. I mean, there's so many different interpretations of that. I just really adored your work in the film. And I'm so glad that you chose to share it. Was there a specific reason for why you decided to share these personal sides of yourself at this time? Because you've always been vulnerable in other ways through your music and through your Mm -hmm. songwriting. But Mm -hmm. why now? When you come into the music industry, your unspoken job is to make everybody like you. Mm. That's, you know, you want to, everybody's supposed to like you and literally don't have a hair out of place. Literally. Don't ever have a blemish on your public persona. You know, you know, you know, you know the drill. And I never really subscribed to that, but I did do my best to have a clean public image. And, you know, but what does clean mean? Clean Mm -hmm. means different things to different people. Mm -hmm. And so, but I did that for a long time, especially the first 10 years of my career. And in these last 10 years, I've just become increasingly intolerant of anyone telling me how I'm supposed to conduct myself. I do Mm -hmm. what I think is right, but Mm -hmm. I don't do it because you tell me it's right. And so, yeah. That's just where I am. And now it's natural. It's becoming more and more natural. So, so I had to fight to make this short film because the company I work with, um, I don't, I'm not on a conventional record label anymore. Thank God it's over. I did not enjoy <laughs> that whole experience. It's like <laughs> soul crushing. But I'm with, a, a, I'm with a new type of company where they do business in a more forward thinking way. Yeah. And so Crazy, the song Crazy was to be my next single, but Sacred Space is the song that my real fans love. And I Mm. learned that from being on tour. And also all of my close friends who are musicians, that's everyone's favorite song on the whole Yes, Yes. And so I pushed and I, maybe we could do two videos for one budget. And they were kind enough to give me a little bit more 
on top of the budget. I didn't get two budgets, but I got like a budget and a half or something mm-hmm. <laughs> to push to do this. But the the me who what used to be manipulated and coerced into doing things and acting perfect and being mm-hmm. nice so that the label will give me things, that person would have never asked for anything extra. I wouldn't have asked for what my music deserved. This mm-hmm. person, I was like, come on, we got, there's got to be a way. Okay, just give me one budget then. I'll just do it in LA. Like, it's just trying to find a way to make it work because I don't want anyone telling me what, who I am and no one tells me what I deserve and don't deserve. But I think that comes from maturing too. Like they say, the older you get, the less you care <laughs> what people think. It's so, so true. I, I, I knew it in theory, you. but I didn't know it was, I didn't know it was real because I used to think I didn't care. Yeah. There was a part of me that still was very honest about things, even when it was hard and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But the, this type of, I, this type of self-definition mm-hmm. is a whole nother level. And so it was just natural yeah. when it was time to make these, this short film to figure out how to get both songs, figure out how to get the leading mm-hmm. men I wanted, figure out how to make it work and just do mm-hmm. it. And because, and then putting myself like that on screen and my truth and more truth and telling more truth in my songwriting and all of that mm-hmm. all just comes from knowing what it feels like to be the other way. And also having earned my <laughs> empowerment. Yeah. I've paid some dues. Yes. And, and no doubt all of that time that you spend reflecting on your inner self and all that rich inner work that you do, it, mm-hmm. it provides clarity. It just, you're giving your, yourself the space to have that clarity. And I, I so understand what you were saying about when we're younger Sometimes we still think that we're bucking authority and we don't care, <laughs> but I think it's a different way. It's almost like a, you know, when you're younger, when you're a teenager or early twenties, it's more like petulant. Like I'm not mm-hmm. going to do what you tell me to do. Mm-hmm. But at some point as you get older, and I certainly found this for myself, it just evolved where I just cared less about what people thought I should be like, or what I That's should right. say. That's right. And I just say what's on my mind. And if I feel right inside, then I don't ever regret it. Even if some people don't like it. And I I don't really care as much that people don't like it. And Mm -hmm. it's really weird because I grew up in a musical family too. You know, I've always had two passions. And when I was a kid, I was singing and playing the piano at the age of four. And and yeah, and I learned a bunch of instruments too. You know, we're like the Von Trapp family in Sound of Music, like where everybody (laughs) plays an instrument, you know, and we would like make things up. So my sister plays music, my mom and dad, my mom was an opera singer my dad was a musical theater. They both played the guitar. So, you know, we always, always had that as part of our lives. And my parents were also working, but not in music careers. And I remember when I was in grad school, um, I was shamed a lot for continuing to pursue my music passion on the side of my degree. Um, Uh, I think just by traditional people who are thinking, well, you're not serious about your psychology career. If you're also going to musical theater rehearsals, every evening. When are you finding Mm. time to do your work? I'm still doing it. I just want to do both. Mm -hmm. I felt like I had to hide that part of myself, which was painful for me Mm. Um, because music is just something that, I mean, if I didn't have music in my life, I wouldn't know how to live, to be honest. And so it was hard for so many years to try to pretend that that part wasn't me. I almost had to keep them compartmentalized. And Did it affect your physical health? Absolutely. I just felt exhausted all the time. And I couldn't, I I know why. You had ulcers? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And then the exhaustion too, and the moodiness that comes from just feeling like life doesn't feel right. Yep. 
Something's I don't not, be like that. not aligned. Something's not aligned. I couldn't live aligned. like that. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize, again, how connected our physical body and our mind is. Yes. And it's <laughs> I have a song so, about that. <laughs> right? I know. So it's so connected. And again, when you're in your 20s, though, you don't think that that's anything. You know, you're like, I'm like, why, why is it that I sleep and I don't feel like I'm rested ever? ever, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and you don't make that connection until a little later. I, I don't feel that way now, but I've also grown a lot since then. But in your twenties, I think you feel like, at least me, I felt like I had to fall in line. I did, you know, so that I could get my degree and mm-hmm. the internships and do the things that I needed to do. Um, but it, it was really, really hard for me. And I felt like I was constantly the black sheep. Like people were looking mm-hmm. at me thinking, okay, does this girl care? But you're living proof that you can have multiple passions and, and do them all well because you care about all of them. It's just, I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand that if that's not the way they work. Yeah. And so if it's not the way they work. Then who are they to judge you? Right. You don't understand me. So why would I listen to you? Right. Yeah. I, um, my version of falling in line was wanting to create harmony at all costs. So I would hold mm-hmm. things in and forgive people when I didn't mean it. And, not say what I needed to say and, you know, do things I didn't really want to do because it's going to work better for everyone. And, Mm. but then I started getting sick Mm -hmm. and it was, and then, and, and bouts of depression and like, people would be like, well, you should be happy. Would you be happy if you were in my shoes? You know, like, you don't know what it feels like to do all this stuff I'm doing and not being able to be honest and all this stuff, you know? And so just slowly over time, Actually, in 2009, I thought I was going to retire. And I did for a few months. <laughs> and then I started making the music I wanted to make. And then I realized that I had tried everything except for just being me. And so I started just being me. And then I become, the older I become, the more me I become. Yeah. Naturally. Being able to have that true self-acceptance. And I love that a lot of your music is about that theme. I love the song worthy and the fact that you have to repeat that lyric over and over again, because (laughs) in some ways that is kind of how our minds work, isn't it? I mean, when you struggle with self doubt or if somebody has told you that you're not worthwhile, it's not like somebody will say that to you one time, Hey, don't worry. You're a worthwhile person. And you're like, Mm -hmm. okay, ding, I got it. Now we can Mm -hmm. move on. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. kind of need to put it on repeat. And even then, I don't know if it sinks in so easily for most people. No. Yeah. That's the power of music though. Like putting the power of a song. I meant mm-hmm. putting words to rhythm, to melody. Yeah. And that's why it can be the greatest weapon or the greatest tool. Yeah. And that's why I write the songs I write because I know the power of a song. Yeah. And it's anybody's, if I'm going to put anything into, into the world and a mass on a mass scale, I want it to be something that contributes to a person's elevation and to mine. Yeah. I'm going to be singing the same songs for 20 years. I want to feel good affirming these things over and over again. Mm-hmm. So that's why I do it the way I do. You know, music and the arts is so healing for me. And it's the times in which I feel the most able to 
let my guard down and just yeah. be myself and experience all of the emotions that come. One of my favorite things to do is to listen to beautiful music or watch beautiful art and cry. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's so cathartic when you get, I, I love being moved to that moment of, of getting emotional, you know? Yeah. It's this really beautiful release. Like, Oh, like, yes. You know, yes. feeling that connection. Yes. And, um, <laughs> that that's, that's what, that's what music is for me. And it's so many other things too. But for me, I, I, I just enjoy that piece of it so much. And it's, it's in many ways, a, a very safe way for a lot of people. If you're listening and you're wondering how to deepen your own spiritual work, it's a mm. great way to dip your toe in. If you're scared about, you know, other forms of self-development, because it is kind of scary to, I think in our culture, especially to just be still and see what comes from the depths of your mind, because you know, yeah, it's like that's a lot fearful. of the reason why people don't get still. That's why yeah. people stay busy because they're afraid to look at their pain. Yeah. And then they hang out with people all the time, right? It's like you have mm-hmm. to have people around you because mm-hmm. then if you're by yourself, what if you don't like what comes up? Mm-hmm. But it's usually not as scary as you think if you just allow yourself to do it. The first time I did that, I, it was the, it was 2008 when I thought I was going to retire. And I just, because you, you know, I always, always wanted to make music. Mm. I didn't think I could be a professional musician. It wasn't really a thing that I thought about. Mm-hmm. But when I started performing publicly, people were wanting to sign me from the first day. Mm. And it took, I, I waited four or five years or something like that before I really wanted to be professional. Mm-hmm. And, but when you have something that you hold so dear, mm-hmm. and then there's all of this darkness in it too. Mm-hmm. You don't want to see the darkness. You just like, I've been wanting this since I was five. So I'm going to ignore all of that and focus on all of this and just smile and take my album cover. No, they, they said, if I change this, then I can get my song out. And so you mm-hmm. do it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever you have to do to adjust and to create harmony. Mm-hmm. And I learned, cause I just got true burnout, true, true burnout, burnout. And I, there was nowhere else I could go. It wasn't like, I love myself enough to stop. No, I was burnt out and I couldn't take another step. I couldn't get another plane. I didn't want to talk. I couldn't, I couldn't speak, not physically, but like my mind was so tired. I just didn't want to speak. I couldn't sing without crying. Like I just was done. I was burnt out. Mm-hmm. And so I went away to the Pacific Northwest, into the woods, into a cabin. And I felt so relieved. I was like, okay, I'm alone. It just felt really good. And then I started really having to look at everything and all the, the shadow of all of it. And it lasted maybe a week, <laughs> maybe wow. a week. And then I was like, oh, that's all. It changed my whole life. And why it changed my whole life is because now I'm never afraid to look at the dark parts of anything in my life because it's never as bad as you think it's going to be. You look at it, you deal with it, you get through it. And it's, you deal, you know, it's on to the next thing. It's not like right. this darkness is gone, but it's like, you're figuring out what the next step is. And yeah. so like, but you can't figure out the next step if you don't just look. And the next step is, has in 10 years, there's never been anything so dark that I can't look at that it doesn't dissipate almost immediately when I look. Isn't that amazing? I think that is such a great metaphor for life, but it's also the way that phobias work. I mean, yes. people think about <laughs> phobias, you know, I mean, uh, people might have an elevator phobia or a flying mm-hmm. phobia. Mm-hmm. And the longer you stay away, the longer you avoid elevators or the longer you avoid flying, the bigger the fear becomes because mm. your mind goes to these crazy dark places about, oh, I'm going to get on a plane. It's immediately going to crash or whatever mm-hmm. 
kinds of things that you might dream up in your horrible imagination. Mm -hmm. And, And then of course, when you get on a plane, you know, 99.999% of the time you safely land, everything's fine. And so, um, I think that's a, that's a great analogy though, for even the depths of our mind, you know, the more you avoid it and the longer you avoid it, the bigger and scarier it becomes. And then when you Mm -hmm. go and look, it's like, oh, there is no monster under the bed, or even if there is a monster under the bed, I know what to do with it. Right. Right. I call that breakdown, breakthrough, break the shell. (laughs) It's like, okay, so it hurts. Now what? Okay. Now now you're out of it. Now you're out. Yeah. Now the story's out. Now the truth is out. Now the whatever it's out. Yeah. 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 And sometimes (laughs) in my own mindfulness practices, there'll be things about myself that I'm like, Ooh, I do not like that about myself. I do Mm -hmm. not like that. I said this or did that or had Mm -hmm. this thought or had this Mm -hmm. judgment of someone, but Mm -hmm. ultimately I'm glad that I just acknowledge that about myself because, you know, we all have our flaws. We all have our problems. And if you're not going to look there, you're just going to keep on going through life, possibly hurting people, yeah. possibly hurting yourself. And yeah. it's so much better to look. And even if you don't decide to do anything about it that day, it's just good to know. The other thing I think that comes out of it, which I think you were alluding to a little bit earlier in this, in this part of this conversation, it's like wanting to, it starts to become almost enjoyable. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I, I'm saying almost because I'm trying to be diplomatic. <laughs> I find it enjoyable to go, okay, what is, what do I need to see today? Yeah. What more can I learn about myself? What can I see? What can I, it's, and it's not about fixing yourself. It's just about learning, learning you. Mm-hmm. So you can make different decisions. It feels, oh, it feels good. It puts you <laughs> back empowering. more in control. It does. Yes. It does. Yes. You actually feel more in control. control. Yes. Yeah. And you know, I know that you've spoken about this in a couple of places, but this idea of not letting your mind control you, right? You, you are in control. I forget how this saying goes, but the mind makes a wonderful servant, horrible master. However that saying goes. Yes. That's that. Mm -mm. The mind is not the thing you look to. Nope. Nope. mm -mm. Mm-mm. No, because <laughs> guess what? On average, many of us have about 50,000 thoughts in a day. So, Ooh, so which ones are right? <laughs> that's right. You can't listen. You can't listen to all that chatter. And I think, again, just having a spiritual practice, a meditation practice, being still, you start to understand what's truth and what's not and what you should be guided by and which thoughts you should listen to. But yeah, if you don't do that, then you do feel pulled in all kinds of directions, much like what you were just describing in your twenties. Okay. I guess I'll do that. Okay. I'll take two. You know, it just, it's mm-hmm. so easy just to go wherever, um, mm-hmm. wherever you're being pulled by your environment or by people. Mm-hmm. And I just love the way that you've evolved to in your music and in your other work as an artist, you released your first album acoustic in 2001. And mm-hmm. today you're still making beautiful music. I love your newest album worthy. I think it's one of your Thank best. You. Thank um, you. You're still selling out shows. You're still doing all of these cool projects and dreaming up Crazy. what to do next. So yes, <laughs> I mean, what does it mean to you to have this kind of staying power in the music industry? Because so many people come and go. And like you said, sometimes if you don't fall in line, people disappear and then you kind of forget about them until somebody makes like a top eighties, you know, soundtrack (laughs) and you listen to it again, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So 
what does all of this mean to you and, and how have you managed to, to last and still be authentic to yourself? I've been asking myself if I did last. Mm. And the reason why I'm saying that is because the first 10 years of my career were really big. First five or six, seven years were really, really big. And everything I did was huge. And everybody knew when I put an album out and all that. And then the second 10 years, some people know when I put something out, some don't. Mm. And people will say, where have you been? I'm like, I put out eight albums, <laughs> not just one. I've been, I've been around, you know, but I understand it's hard to get people's attention, especially in today's world. Oh. And so I think I have had staying power in that I have a, a dedicated core fan base and I make some new fans every time I put a project out. Mm-hmm. Um, but it hasn't been like top tier the whole way. Um, it's been, you know, ebbs and flows in my career, but I'm also, I'm still here because some people just aren't at all. They're not around at all. So I hear you. And I think the other thing is that what I've been able to do that I am now really, really um, proud of is that I have been able to still make eight albums in 20 years Mm -hmm. and haven't done one thing that I didn't want to do philosophically. I do mm-hmm. things I don't want to do, you know, sometimes travel and flights and stuff like that, yeah. regular stuff that I just don't love doing. But philosophically and in, in line in alignment with my values, mm-hmm. I haven't done one thing that I didn't want to do. And I'm still here while being true to myself. And I think that's a, a feat, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Yeah. Also, 2019 really surprised me because mm-hmm. I I didn't know if I was going to make another album at all. Worthy started to take shape on its own. And that was exciting. So mm-hmm. I thought, all right, I'll do this album thing one more time. Let's see. And then I had a number three song and a number one at Billboard. Mm-hmm. And it surprised me. Like It was, it was almost like funny <laughs> because I, uh, the second song that was n- number one is called Steady Love. Mm-hmm. And I was, on my, I was in LA getting ready to shoot the video for this, this short film, which is not Steady Love. It's crazy and sacred space. Mm-hmm. And, but I was doing a, getting ready to do a television interview. And I was in the car and I looked at my mom and I said, Steady Love was a hit. I had a hit. I had a hit <laughs> at radio. Like, it was already not number one anymore. I already had the hit. People still wanted to talk about the song and stuff. But it didn't, it just didn't register because it didn't feel like that was what was supposed to be happening for me. I mean, I knew it was number one and I was excited. and It was all on my social media. And we celebrated <laughs> and everything. But just the truth of it, like it's been 20 years. You put out this new project. People still don't think like my last couple of projects, people kind of miss some people. So they think you're just coming back after 2007 or something like that. And you had a hit, a hit yeah. song and a hit. Then the video had, which, you know, a lot of people get more than this, like pop stars and stuff. But for someone like me to have 21 million views of the Steady Love video, mm-hmm. I just, I just was like, this, what? And so mm-hmm. it gave me like a nice, I found it more fun and funny because also I finally have, um, elevated from a place of looking for the acceptance in the, from the music industry. Like, I love that I have some Grammys, but also I had a tumultuous experience with that whole thing, that whole institution. Mm-hmm. And so, but I, so I just released the need to be accepted or to be rewarded. I just look at my ability to have really made music that's a part of people's lives. Mm-hmm. That was my goal. Everything else became goals because it got dangled in front of me. Right. But I, I reached my goals. I did what I wanted to do. I made the kind of music I wanted to make. I reached people the way I said I wanted to. And so the other stuff was fun. 
I was like, we're number one? Like, it was just mm-hmm. fun. <laughs> and, but then also, it feels like a really big gift, too, because, you know, the world, but also the music industry is very, well, white men's words, it's racist and sexist. Mm-hmm. And so being a, a woman, a Black woman in her 40s, mm-hmm. who has like number one song <laughs> at radio, mm-hmm. is freaking cool. Really yeah. unexpected and really cool. And I don't fall in line. And I don't mince my words. And I don't take all my clothes off. And I don't pander. Like the whole thing has been really cool. It really cool. It was exhausting too, but I did everything I did because I was like, well, they want to see me. Well, let's go. Let's go do TV and let's go do these shows. And then yeah. 2020, like the first question you asked me, 2020 was supposed to be kind of busy, but ended up being restful, which I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad. Yeah. I love that you're talking about everything that you've done being aligned with your values and who you are. And that's a big part of the reward too, that you get to say, and I achieved all of this without compromising my core values. Because if you compromise your core values to achieve it, is it success? No. And you can't own it the same way. I don't think you can own it the same way. You Mm -hmm. know, I think when people say things like they suffer from imposter syndrome or, Mm. They struggle chronically with self-doubt. That Mm. could be part of it because, Mm -hmm. you know, something is not aligned. Our mind doesn't like that. You know, that dissonance between who I really am and what the world sees. Right. Right. Yes. To the point of making ulcers. Yeah. I know that feeling. I don't like that. Mm -mm. Absolutely. (laughs) I know you said you've made little compromises along the way, never the big ones, but even those little ones bugged you. I mean, to the point where you did have these ulcers, you know? Yes. You had to fight. You had to fight. There was an an, an internal fight, even if people weren't seeing it maybe on the outside. Yes. So it's amazing in 2020 to kind of bring it full circle and see that you have that staying power that people want to see you, want to hear (laughs) your It's been really cool. Really cool. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And I know that, you know, you credit your mom a lot with, you know, the ability to have this inner strength and compass and What's one pearl of wisdom from your mom you can share with everyone listening? <laughs> I think <laughs> I'm, gig- I'm giggling because my mother is like the queen of one-liners and flash insights. Oh, perfect. So we can put like, this on a motivational poster somewhere. Oh my gosh. There's so many. <laughs> Let me think. Let me think of my favorite one. Uh, okay. Let me think of one that she says most often. There's two things that come to mind. I used to get mad at her, not mad at her, but I would get frustrated with her when she would say this Mm -hmm. because in my mind, I'm going through really hard stuff. Yeah. I'm 29 years old or however old I am. And Mm -hmm. I have all of these, I'm under contract with a multinational corporation and they're trying to crush me. You know, Mm -hmm. like I'm feeling all this pain and real true, true struggle. And it's real. And it's real. It's real. It's in my body. It's making me feel depressed. And you know, yeah, um, it's real. And my mother will say, it's just life happening. <laughs> and I would be like, oh, like so frustrated <laughs> with her. You're but like, thanks, underst- mom. <laughs> right. But what I understand now that she meant, and I get it, and I say it to myself all the time now, what she meant is life has its ups and downs for everyone, period. Trying to avoid your dark times and your heavy times, you can't avoid it. Everybody's going to have stuff. Period, 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 right? Mm -hmm. And instead of looking at the hard stuff as bad and the good stuff as good, look at all of it as life happening. 
that makes so much sense to me now. The person I've become, like, it's just mm-hmm. life, life happening. Yeah. And the other thing she says is, because um, my mother makes all of my performance clothes. Oh, and cool. Yeah. So when, like, that, my signature look mm-hmm. is that because it's made by her. Wow. And so I'm able to, like, have the clothes of my dreams. I'm like, I like white cotton, but nobody mm-hmm. makes white cotton gowns. But mm. I have white cotton gowns, you know. Mm-hmm. And I want it to be yellow, but you know my favorite fabric, mom. Yes, we know cotton. Now, yes, yellow cotton gauze, pink cotton gauze. I want lines <laughs> on it. I want long sleeves all the way that touch the floor. And like, so like my look is like that because it's my fantasy clothes because of my mom. Yeah. yeah. And um, sometimes I feel like she, because my mother is very bold, mm-hmm. like outrageous, very fiery personality. And I'm not like that. Mm. And so she'll say, why be ordinary when you can be extraordinary? Just let me put a long train on this. And yeah. we'll cut the train off later. I'm like, okay, okay, <laughs> okay, okay, put the train. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. And then she'll say, because also even like when it comes to my um, craft, technically speaking, as a vocalist, mm. I have something different than a lot of women have, which is what, what society usually reveres in a female vocalist is how high she can sing. Mm. I have a big range, but my range goes low, mm-hmm. but it's a very big range. Mm-hmm. And my mother will say, well, why be ordinary when you can be extraordinary? Sing those notes, stuff mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> and yeah. so why be ordinary when you can be extraordinary? And it's just life happening. I would love to give our listeners just some tips because I think we've talked a lot about what it means for both of us to have a spiritual practice, to be mindful, to meditate. And this mm-hmm. has really even helped to feel your work as an artist and just as a human being. So I want to go over a couple of the tips that I think are things that work really well, especially for people who have been intimidated and don't want to start. And I want to hear from you how you've been able to incorporate that into your life. So I think the first one is because people get intimidated. The first tip is just start. Like your practice doesn't have to be perfect. Like you can just start by eating a grape mindfully if you want, you know, right. today. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And and you kind of just started. You were with your godfather, right? And mm-hmm. you were having this conversation and he's like, okay, well, let's do it. You know, it wasn't this whole ramp up of, okay, now I got to prep and you no, just- No, because there is it. no have to. Yeah. And it's not a thing that's outside of you. It's an everyday thing. Yeah. I think one of the things that I want people to know is that when people talk about, you know, because now a lot of us are talking about meditation and spiritual practices now, and yes. we talk about stillness. Yes. Right. And I want people to know that stillness doesn't necessarily mean sitting exactly still. Mm. Stillness can also be an internal posture. Mm-hmm. So there's a difference in walking in the mall and walking in the woods. Mm-hmm. There's a stillness that's inside of you that comes about when you're in a, in a place that's not stimulating you in certain ways. Mm-hmm. So it's just about when you're walking in the woods, you're not thinking, can I buy that tree? Mm-hmm. You know, you're not thinking who's looking at me is my outfit. You're walking and you're just being. Yes. And to me, that's what stillness can also be. And so people who are like more or like have like really, really active constitutions, mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like stillness for a person like that can also just be walking slowly. When we talk, like even talking about mindfulness, walking and feeling your feet on the ground. Mm-hmm. sitting in the sun for a couple minutes. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be esoteric where you're really sitting still 
with the shades down and your hands. I like doing that because I'm already very slow. So when I slow down, I get still, still. Mm-hmm. But that's, there's no right way. It's about starting where you are and learning how to do what's right for your constitution. And so getting quiet looks like something different for all of us. And it can and it should. And I think that people know that they can start where they are. Yeah. I'm so glad that you said that and that you can find what fits for your constitution. Cause I think actually you and I represent some of that spectrum. I was always that person who I'm just running around all the time. And then (laughs) as a result, I get into a lot of accidents. I mean, still as Mm. an adult, I'll just trip and fall down the stairs. You know, no, I I have, I have a burn mark on my wrist because I burned myself on the stove. I mean, it's (gasps) all about, I know it's all about, it's all about just doing things too fast maybe, but at the same time, uh, you know, when I started a mindfulness practice, I had to embrace that and say, okay, let me just try to hike today mindfully. And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it was the most ridiculous thing that I had gone on this hike at least five dozen times in the last <laughs> year. And I all of a sudden noticed, oh, there's a tree here. Like I just, you know what I mean? Cause you're always thinking about something or talking to somebody mm-hmm. when you're walking by this tree. I've walked <laughs> by this tree 60 times. How can I miss a big tree? I did. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, <laughs> I, I felt like that was an accomplishment the day I noticed that tree. I was like, whoa. <laughs> and, and things that small are accomplishments. And that's what people need to know. Yeah. You don't have to levitate or see a bright light come into your eyes <laughs> or you can. Yeah. But it's not about that. It's about just starting where you are. Like you said, we represent that spectrum. Yeah. And just yeah. Con- committing to a daily practice. And again, it doesn't have to be, I think some people get even a little bit intimidated by transcendental meditation. They're thinking, oh my gosh, 15, 20 minutes or more a couple (laughs) times a day. That's a lot. But I also want people to know it can be as little as two minutes a day if you want Mm -hmm. it. You know, I was on tour. Um, My favorite artist of any medium is Stevie Wonder. Mm. And he, the whole other conversation, we had family connections and my my mom and him met when they were teenagers, when Motown wanted to sign my mother, all this stuff. Cause like the cycles of life are really real. Mm. So I end up on Motown and he ends up really taking me under his wing. And mm. so just in 2015 and 2016, he went on a tour and did songs in the key of life, the whole album every night. Mm-hmm. And he took me, I didn't open the show. I just came out and sang some songs with him. He would talk on stage and stuff. And every night he would say, my meditation time is in the shower. And so I was in the shower this morning. I let the water wash over me. And I think about all of you. And I think about my children. And whatever he would say that, I would think, you know, he's in the shower, maybe what, 15 minutes? Maybe. That's a long shower. 10 minutes, eight minutes. But, you know, for a person, Stevie Wonder, I think he has nine or 10 children. Forget being Stevie Wonder, but he has all those children and, you know, a big life. So for him to just take those eight or nine minutes in the shower and that it's enough for him. Yeah. There's so many different ways. And instead of going over your to-do list in the shower, like we talked about, maybe that's your time to just, this water is washing me clean. Thank, thank you for yeah. all the things or whatever. It's the time to say gratitude things out loud or listen to a very inspiring music. Like you said, that music is a good gateway to a spiritual practice. Maybe you can really choose a playlist for your shower that gives you all the feels. <laughs> you know, like yeah. there's so many ways and ways to do it. it does, you do not have to hold your fingers a certain way. That's like, the Super Bowl of spiritual practice. We don't start at the Super Bowl. Right. Yeah. Just go out and kick the ball around. What's your favorite mindful routine that you do every day and you try to do it intentionally with that sort of present mindedness? One of the things I love to do in the morning mm. is drink warm water with lemon. 
Mm. And then the second thing I drink is a homemade electrolyte drink. Mm. And so I think when I'm doing that, because it's like I'm still half asleep and my legs are still waking up and I'm just kind of like in the kitchen, that whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the time when I really like to feel everything. Like, what is the apartment feeling like? And what's the temperature in here? And what needs to happen? And, you know, like that really assessing everything around me, that real mindfulness. And another thing, oh gosh, I don't know how I got this far without telling you this. <laughs> I am a night owl, bad, sometimes to my detriment. It'll be like almost time to get up and I'm just going to bed and then I have stuff to do. So I have to get up or stay up. <laughs> I've been like that my whole life. I almost got suspended from high school for falling asleep because I just would be up at night. I, they nice. almost suspended me. I fell asleep so much. Wow. And so, yeah, it was it, like sometimes to my detriment, but other times, you know, much to my joy, like night is really a time I love to be really quiet and do things and stuff. Yeah. And during this quarantine, I have been going to sleep <laughs> very often before midnight, which I used to laugh at people who did that, literally laugh like, 11? <laughs> you go to bed at 11? <laughs> okay. Like, I would literally laugh at people. And I'd be like, I'm up till, because it's normal for me to be up till 4, 35, which we know is not good for our health, necessarily. We need that time to restore all of our functions and stuff. But I would do it regularly. My mother does it too. And during the quarantine, I've been going to sleep because I'm having new relationship with some of the mundane things in my life. Mm-hmm. naturally they're just naturally becoming new more grounded relationships mm-hmm. and I go to bed very often before midnight and my body naturally wakes up at sunrise not like when I see sun through the window it'll be the sunrise time mm-hmm. 538 542 like I'll be like and I'll look at the clock and I'll look is it sunrise and it'll be like I started matching it up now <laughs> I wake up naturally at sunrise and so I ah. get up I go on my balcony because the sun shines directly on the balcony of my condo. And then I watch the sunrise and I sit in the sun Mm. mindfully. Like, I really like, what does Mm. it feel like? What does it feel like on my face? And I wear like, I sleep in, because cotton's my favorite fabric. So I sleep in like cotton (laughs) nightgowns. Uh I'll just be outside in a cotton nightgown on my balcony in a direct, very fresh morning sunrise. Like, and just being truly mindful. Like, look at those trees. Look at the color of the trees over there, as opposed to the color over there. You can smell things. You can hear birds. I never got up early in the morning. Never. I'll be like, well, if I have to be in Texas on Friday and the only flight is 6 a.m., then I'm going to go in on Thursday. I don't, I'm not getting up early. I'm not being up in the morning like that. I'm not going to move around early. I would right. avoid it because it just wasn't like you can't go to bed at five o'clock and get up at 630 and get on a plane. It's just not a thing. But now, like I mindfully walk outside in the morning at 5.30 and 5.45. It's so new. And to sit and mindfully watch the sunrise has become one of my greatest joys. It feels like being at the beach or something. That feeling in your body. I didn't know anything. I didn't know the joy of the morning time. And I think that has become the newest place that I bring mindfulness to. I didn't know that. Even when it's cold outside, Mm. When it's raining, which I love rain. It's my favorite weather. Even when it's raining or any of that, I still wake up at sunrise. I still go on the balcony. And I just sit there in my nightgown and feel everything, feel the air. And oh. that has been a joy and new. Something I just never knew that was there <laughs> every day. Every day the sunrise yeah. is like that. And I've been asleep. 
yes. my whole life. <laughs> I was a night owl too for the longest time. Not not as bad as you. I don't think I was up until four or five on most mornings unless I was working at a deadline, you know, mm-hmm. per, maybe if I procrastinated or something. But mm-hmm. generally, it was very easy for me to stay up until two in the morning and work and work and work. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And you feel really creative at night too. You get all the stuff. Yes. <laughs> but I've recently um, made that discovery myself. It's been a few years now, but it's a newer discovery for me too, where I wake up at five, but I wake up naturally. You know, I don't mm. have my alarm. I wake up at five mm-hmm. or five thirty every day, and mm-hmm. that quiet of the morning is really beautiful too. And so nice. Yeah, the one mindfulness practice I will never give up is like my morning routine. I have a whole list of things I love to do in the morning mindfully. Mm. And I just take my time now. And that's been a big change for me. So now I'm happy to sacrifice an hour of sleep as long as I get my mindful moments in the morning. I'll, I want to move slower in the morning. So I think I'm not going to be able to give up this morning mindful time either. <laughs> I think I yeah. have a new relationship with sleep and with the morning time. Yeah, it's a, it's a new love. And, and I think that's really the last tip for everyone listening is just keep making new discoveries, you know, sample, select, mm. Just your your practice is going to change over time. And sometimes not because you mean it to, just like you were saying, nobody expected this pandemic. And now you're finding mm-hmm. the, the beauty, even though we're in the yeah. middle of a crisis, that there is still these beautiful moments and new discoveries you can make at any time. And that's the thing about life. Like my mother said, it's just life happening. The beauty and the crisis is always happening at the same time. Yeah. It's, and it's, it's the not frequency you align with. What are you aligning with? That's, and that's what all the spiritual practices are about, aligning with the frequency that you're choosing instead of haphazardly going through life. Right. It's all about these conscious choices instead that's of right. letting life happen to you. That's right. And what's next for you, India? I mean, there's just so many things that are on your plate, but what's the next thing for you right now? My next creative thing is an acoustic reimagining of Stevie Wonder songs. Wow. I wanted to have it ready for his 70th birthday because for me, in my mind, it's a gift to him. Mm. Um, but it wasn't ready. But we're getting there and truly reimagining. They do not sound like his records. I didn't want to do remakes because I didn't see the point in it. <laughs> um, but like reimaginings. I also am, oh gosh, I'm like, which one of these things do I even want to talk about? I think that's my main thing right there. Is the Stevie Wonder acoustic reimaginings my, in my personal life? What's next for me is the continuation of, excuse the expression, but coming out of the closet with my actual spiritual practices and mm. wanting to really share that part of me in a bigger way. I don't know how it's going to look or what it's going to look like, but there's no going back for me now at this point. I don't want to yeah. go back inside of that closet. So I'm just ready to express more of myself. And again, I don't know what it looks like, but. I'm building a road to that place now so that my public life is even further aligned with my values by being able to not have such a, a line down the middle of who India Ari is and who mm. India Ari is. That's my real name. That's my birth name. I don't have a stage name. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to have a stage persona anymore that leads, my, that leads before me into the world. I want to figure out how to be more me. So those two things. I love those two things. And if anybody wants a quick primer into India's more personal spiritual life, watch that film, Welcome Home. It is so moving, so amazing. 
there's also an associated hashtag worthy and well, so mm-hmm. you can also follow that. I can't wait to see what you do next, India. You are such an inspiring person. Thank you. I have Likewise, so, it's been really fun talking to you. Oh, thank you. I have so enjoyed speaking with you and thank I'm going to keep following your career and, and your thank personal you. spiritual life and, and practices you. as you share that with the world. Where can people find you on social media? All my stuff is India Ari. Um, that's not, that's I-N-D-I-A-A-R-I-E. Sometimes people think I'm saying India Ari. <laughs> that's not my name. <laughs> it's India Ari. And also there is a place that is kind of hidden in plain sight <laughs> by, by design. I, I too have a podcast. I don't have sponsors. I engineer it myself. I record it in my studio because I want to. After having a record deal my whole adult life, I just thought I wanted to do something by myself. Mm. And so my podcast is called Songversation, the podcast. Cool. And I, at the beginning of every podcast, I say where I choose one of my songs and I riff on that song, simple as that, but it's never really simple. And I tell a lot about, I talk a lot about my spiritual life, where my experiences, my struggles, my spiritual philosophies. I talk a lot about it because that's one place that is semi-public that I don't hold back because for me, that podcast is mine. So everybody go check out the podcast too. That sounds like such a great compliment to everything that you're doing about just continuing to live this authentic life and just aligning that inner and outer life even more so. So thank thank you you. so, so much, India, for this phenomenal conversation. I am very grateful to you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Supercharged Life. If you like the show and want to learn more, follow me at Dr. Judy Ho. Subscribe, download, and tell your friends. I'm Dr. Judy, and remember, any time is a great time to supercharge your life.